The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And guess who is on Talk is Jericho? The new general manager of Monday Night Raw, Kurt Angle, is going to be here. Kirk Angel, he's back with the WWE after a 10-year absence, and he's here on Talk is Jericho, talking about his return and his induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Kurt and I worked together a lot when he first came to the WWE back in 2000. He also had a ton of classic matches with Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. You're going to hear from Kurt himself about the shoot fight he and Eddie got into in the locker room back in the day. Kurt's also setting the record straight about taking on Brock Lesnar in an impromptu wrestling match in front of the boys in Fargo, North Dakota. Also a shoot. we got a great show coming up with Kurt Angle. He's talking about all of his addictions, all of his triumphs, all of his ups and downs, and his return to the WWE. What is his future going to hold? Is he going to wrestle again? All of those questions will be answered right here this this is talk is jericho all right so probably for the first time in um maybe 10 years 12 years it's the reunion of jericho and angle here man and like i think you're like the biggest i've ever seen you muscle wise you're massive you came in it's like holy smokes all tanned and all huge and shit Um, it's probably because of the tan (laughs) yeah that's the tan right that's the tan man has it been since 2005 maybe is that when you left the company oh six six probably right around uh june yeah, you're right, Chris. Uh, it's been, gosh, that's uh, that's almost 11 years. Because yeah. it's funny because sometimes you'll see guys in an airport or, you know, wherever, but I literally I've have seen not you. seen you <laughs> in such a long time. And we worked together for, geez, you Dude, know, I think all the, through that run. I yeah. think the first uh, few years of your career, we probably worked 50 times. Yeah, you had a big impact on my career. We, I mean, you, back then you knew I didn't know much. I right. Was, I was just yeah. following you through matches. And, uh, you and uh, Benoit. Benoit. Eddie, Eddie yeah. yeah. It was... Uh, it was a big learning experience, but the, you, you guys made it easy for me to pick it up and start coming into my own. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think if all the years have been in the, in the job, twenty-seven years, you're probably the, the the well, Brock as well. You and Brock are the quickest learners as far as coming in uh, and learning so quickly and being a top-level <laughs> guy basically within the first six months of your career. Yeah, it was tough. I, I um, the, from the day I started to the day I was on TV, and I literally wrestled you a couple months after that. Uh, it was only a year. It mm-hmm. was a year of training. You know, I know Brock had probably about two and a half years, but he, when he came in, they put him, you know, put the title on right, right away. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think we both caught on fairly quickly. But it was, you know, we both were... Um, we we're not fed, but we... It was like... I don't know if it was Vince or whoever, but... They put us with the right people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong with Jericho, Benoit, and Eddie. That was, that was you guys were my first, you know, yeah, uh, programs and matches. Right. I, I think that you and I, I might have even been your first program, really. Yeah, real program. Yes. Right, right, yes, off, right off the Intercontinental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then we did the thing at Mania with Chris with yes, the European the and Intercontinental. Threat, yeah. So I, I think that's another thing too. You got put with such good guys because then you're in there with Hunter and Taker and Rock and right Austin, away. and it's yeah. just like you, you didn't really have to go through the ranks. You just no. came in right at that level. They were putting me with the right people, and it was mm. like, you know, <laughs> with Undertaker just said, you know, 
listen to me out there. It was so easy, you know? Just, okay, what's next? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Was, uh, but uh, everybody's like, Kurt Angle was so good. No, I'm not. I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm a good listener. Do you think because of your background in, in, in Olympic wrestling that helped you pick it up quicker? Or was just, or are you just a, a natural? And you're very humble, so I can say it, but you, you're like a natural. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think it was the wrestling background. I... Uh, it was really hard when I started, uh, and I was having a hard time the first few days. Uh, they were telling me, "You have to allow this guy to pick you up and slam you. You have to, uh, you have to show emotion." I'm like, "Well, I never showed emotion, and no one's ever picked me up and slammed me. I don't give my body to people, so your instincts tell you." don't do this and you know you've done it for 20 years amateur wrestling and uh you just go in there you go for the kill and you go for the pin right away there's no storytelling uh there's no showing the crowd emotion there's no uh you know give and take it's just all take 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 right right um but i just said you know i you have to forget everything you learned and you have to start over and that's what i did because i was wondering about that um in that you know you start with such a uh, like just a shoot background basically yeah. like you said Shamrock was like the two at first he mm. was like I remember I chopped him one night and he punched me in the face and I was like why because <laughs> you're not gonna chop me with that bullshit I'm like Dude, it's a work right it's first so for you to come in where you're where it's it's everything is real you're a legit gold medal winner was it strange for you when they said okay you have to lose to this guy or <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah it was <laughs> I don't lose what are you talking yeah, about I've never lost ever <laughs> but uh, you. You know what I, I I've always been a kid with a big imagination. Uh-huh. I always like to do pretend to do things, and I pretend I was a basketball player or an athlete, or and I, I pretend it would be uh, in the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl. Um, I had a good imagination. Uh-huh. I think that really helps in you know in our sport in the WWE and what we do in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. You have to have a great imagination. You have to come up with ideas and characters and and finishes that really make people go wow you know mm-hmm. so um i've always been intrigued by that and i think that helped well because yeah you were laughing about losing but then also the character like that's why you were like this total package with the with the <laughs> like you had you could do a promo but you could do the comedy stuff and you could be serious and that's yeah. that's what this business is all about you definitely picked that up very quickly not as good as you but i <laughs> I, I, did, I did pretty well i uh i i just realized that um you know i i didn't know if i could do anything funny i was never a funny kid uh but you know we had you and i had a good writer brian was mm-hmm. brian i know you came up with most of your stuff but brian yeah. was really good at that stuff and he he would tell me just try this or do this and you know we're gonna do something funny with you okay I'll, how do i do it and he would mm-hmm. you know he would run it by me and it, it, i just went out there and did it and uh it worked you know and usually for the most part fans were annoyed by me <laughs> but um i i would rather fans appreciate to hate me than not care about me at all right right yeah. let's talk about your first match in the w because i tell this story quite often mm-hmm. uh, it was very impressive to me you came in with uh the three eyes intensity which I, integrity intelligence. intelligence and it was almost like were, were you supposed to be a baby face when you first came in because it was so it was almost campy like to the point, but was it supposed to be a babyface thing? Well, what Vince explained to me, and he had this planned out ahead of time, he said, "We're gonna, we're gonna force you down their throats. Okay. We're gonna make you seem like you're a babyface, but you're gonna be a guy that's so perfect. The fans are gonna be annoyed by you." And I told him, I said, that's not going to happen. I'm an I'm Olympic gold medalist, you know. This is <laughs> the United States of America. I'm going to be touring all, in all these cities. And, and he said, trust me, they're going to hate you. And I think, uh, I think he tried to do it with The Rock, some sort of character like mm-hmm. that. And, and it backfired on him, and he knew it was going to backfire like again. The baby face backfire. Yes, yes, right. the baby face backfire. So he said, we're going we're gonna to do this the right way this time. So and, and maybe I got worked on this, but your first match was against uh, Sean Stasiak, yeah. and halfway through the match, you grabbed the mic and started doing a promo. Yeah. Now I was always under the assumption that you were supposed to be a babyface, but the crowd wasn't working, and Vince told you halfway through the match to do a promo. Was that planned? No, oh. I, I'm. I, you know me. I I just started, and and yeah. I'm nervous as hell, and I'm wrestling this match. All of a sudden, the referee says, "Angle, Vince told me to." Tell you to uh, you know bump Stasiak, get outside the ring, grab the microphone. You tell these people you don't boo an Olympic gold medalist, and I said, 
are, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, listen, I'm only going to say it one more time. And he said it again, and I did it. Uh, so Vince, I, whether Vince planned it or not, I think he knew they were going to be chanting boring because nobody knew they knew i want a gold medal but that that doesn't stand in this Mm -hmm. in this business but uh neither neither nobody cared about sean or i Mm -hmm. so whoever was winning or losing it was a boring match because nobody invested any kind of emotion right 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 right. so 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 when you when you got because i was very impressed with your promo like not knowing and your first match in scared to death and you go out there and you cut a pretty damn good heel promo i thought thought that was a big step for you it was word for word from Vince. so i just did what i had to (laughs) do but you did it with it with it with intensity and integrity yeah yeah no it did it worked out you're absolutely right and the funny thing is the next night we were in my hometown Mm -hmm. and uh vince said this is what you're going to say. You're going to precondition these fans, and they're going to hate your guts. I said, hold on, Vince. This is Pittsburgh. This is where I'm from. <laughs> Nobody's going to hate me. He, he, so he gave me that look, and he didn't say a word for two minutes. Like, shut up. you know. And he said, just say this. And he, he talked for five minutes, and, I, and I, I didn't listen to a word he said. And when he got done, I said, listen, Mr. McMahon, I didn't hear a word you said. Could you repeat it? He was really pissed. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to say it one more Why time. Why did you hear it? Because I was nervous. Like, he, he kept talking. And you were so kind of like paying I was remembering the first 30 seconds, but yeah. he kept going. I'm like, oh, my God. Holy <laughs> shit. This is a long, this is a long <laughs> promo. And, uh, and it, it, was, it was before TV started. He right. wanted me to come out and precondition mm-hmm. the crowd. So he went and he said it again. And for some reason, I remembered at least most of it. And uh, I think that night he said, I think this guy is going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I did remember the whole promo. And I went out and cut a five-minute promo. No verbiage written out. He just told me what to say. And uh, I think that's when he said, okay, I think we have something here. Mm-hmm. It worked. The crowd was booing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they booed me. They, he was right. They did. Of course, I did say... Uh, uh, what did I say about Mario Lemieux? I said, uh, by the way, just so you know, Mario Lemieux was faking his Hodgkin's disease just to get sympathy from all of you. Oh, so that did help. <laughs> and I had to call Mario the next day. Did you? I apologized to him. Yeah. Oh, on who, who did you do it just on your own or did on someone? My own. Okay, I knew Mario. But yeah. but he he said it's cool. He, he understood. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew Mario from Pittsburgh? Yes, yes. We did a lot of things after the Olympics. Where you know, uh, like. We were both up for man of the year in Pittsburgh, and I actually beat him in that year. <laughs> but um, we we did a lot of things together and uh, did some uh, public service announcements. And mm-hmm. he just uh, he invited me to his golf tournaments, and just uh, we we got a good friendship going. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. Let me ask you this, just being an Olympic gold medalist, legit. When you finished that, I mean, that's a huge deal. Did that kind of catapult you into the mainstream? Were you doing, like, talk shows and stuff like that? Or was it mostly yeah, just Pittsburgh? Or- yeah, and I don't think it was just the gold medal. It was a story. Uh, you know, I was part of Foxcatcher, and mm-hmm. Dave Schultz was murdered by John DuPont. So it wasn't just the Olympic gold medal, but it was a story behind me losing my Olympic coach six months prior uh, and, uh, and how I was able to deal with that and overcome it. So all of that, I mean, I did Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, mm. uh, David Letterman, uh, you know, Today's Show. I went everywhere. And it was, you know, one thing you do realize is, you know, you're going to have a good run for six months and then people are going to forget about you. <laughs> and you're back, you know, to square one. Do you go to the Olympics again? Or right. You, yeah. So I knew I didn't want to do that. And that's when I decided. Did you, uh, did you get like, you get sponsors? Like, were you doing commercials or how do you, do you yeah, make money I, off that? I, well, I got a lot of good sponsors. I got like uh, Olive Garden and, uh, you know, Nike. Uh, uh, I did one cheesy ass 
pizza commercial. I don't, I, you might have seen that. I think I, I did. I don't even know if I you think, made fun of it. I, I, I think we showed it pizza on. Out, like, yeah, it was Rock that made fun of it, yeah. <laughs> what, what were you and doing in the pizza? I was, they were wrestling. The pepper was wrestling the onion, <laughs> and I was cheering them on. It was so cheesy, but it was good <laughs> No <money>. pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good money, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we were talking about, uh, you mentioned Foxcatcher. Did you see the movie Foxcatcher? Yeah, Did yeah. you feel that was quite, was it pretty close? Everything was dead on the actors Wow. Were incredible. The only thing was the mother wasn't alive because she would have never allowed him to have a club a wrestling club mm-hmm. it was too barbaric for the DuPont family and the other thing is the whole scenario with the dyeing the hair and the gay thing mm-hmm. that, that wasn't true so other than those two things it was dead on I, I was it was really emotional and it was it was shocking to see how, how spot on the characters were mm. or the actors were with the characters it was Dave Schultz uh, with uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Gosh, amazing, man. right? He nailed Dave. It was incredible. Yeah. Did you have any like? Did they call you at all about it or any input or did you just go to the theater and it's there? Yeah, I, I, I'm probably the only person uh, that wasn't involved in the movie or the documentary. Mm. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, the only thing I could think of was I started getting mainstream success, and I don't think they wanted. Uh, a celebrity that had that type of uh, success to be involved in it. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't want that, but uh, uh, they they everybody was in the movie and and the documentary. The the names Kevin Jackson, Dan Chade, but Kurt Angle wasn't, hmm. and it was just you know I even I even said, listen, I don't want to be in the movie, but I I do want to be um you know I want to help you guys because they filmed it in Pittsburgh. <laughs> And they said, no, we don't want your help. Really? So, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Maybe they thought they would take away the, from the storyline. that I don't know. We'll be talking about know. you being a successful <laughs> guy. Weird, right? I, and, I, and I never figured it out. Let me ask you this. You mentioned Vince a few times, and we haven't seen each other in 11 years. What was it like seeing Vince again? And how did this all come about to get into the Hall of Fame? Because it's been 11, 12 years, legit. Yeah. You know, and last time Vince and I talked, it wasn't a good talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things where... I, I was feeling really bitter. I was really banged up. Um, I was having a painkiller problem. Uh, Vince was trying to help me a lot with it, and I didn't want to listen to him. Is that the reason why you left? Were last left yeah, wrestling in the it, first the place? Injuries were building up, and 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 you know, I, I I did ask for a part-time contract, but back then they weren't doing it unless unless you were in a company twenty years. I was only there what six, mm-hmm. so I mean I understood, uh, but and Vince did want me to take time off, but I. I just didn't want to abide by the rules, and uh, that's my fault. That wasn't Vince's doing. And we just, uh, it, it was a bad parting, uh, and I wasn't expecting Vince to be so open arms and forgiving when I came back. Um, you know, we literally did not talk for 11 years. And when I walked in there, he hugged me like I was his son. And mm-hmm. it was like, wow, uh, this guy, uh, you know, he, Vince was always good to me. You know, he, he always. He always paid me well. He treated me well. He protected me. Uh, you know, he treated me like a, a you know, I didn't have a father for, you know, 20 years before, you know, Vince was more of a father figure to me. And, you know, he, he, he can be a little uh, immature and childish, you know, he, is, he likes to mess around. But as far as uh, how he is when he's serious and when he's trying to help you out, uh, he is a father figure. And I just felt like there was no way Vince was going to be like that when he saw me. I thought, thought maybe he'd give me a quick handshake and tell me to sit down. But he hugged me and he didn't let go. And it was like, wow, this is really cool was that at his office yeah yeah when i actually went to see i saw stephanie on the way and then hunter i met with him for about an hour and then we walked over to vince's office and uh vince and i reconnected and we didn't talk about you know all i did was apologize to him about the last meeting and and why i did what i did and and i i explained to him that i didn't want to get better i didn't want to i wanted to just I just wanted to get away and do my own thing. And uh, he, he completely understood. He said, We're just, I'm just glad you're back. Mm-hmm. Vince is like that, though. Like when, Once you kind of get the forgiveness, he doesn't want to talk about no. you know, what happened or, or no. go through it. It is what it is, and it's done. You know? Yeah, I think he was, felt better off not talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So how did it all come about for you to start this reconciliation? Well, I, I tried. I contacted Vince few years ago you know i always had his number Mm -hmm. uh and uh i you know when i got out of rehab um i just wanted to i always knew i was coming back 
or I wanted to come back. Uh, I didn't know if Vince would ever allow me to. Uh, so I got a hold of him, and he did not. He wasn't interested, and uh, I understood. I mean, uh, when you have, when you get in trouble like I did, and you have four DUIs in five years. And you, 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 Vince knows you're having problems with painkillers and and other pills, and you know, and now it's alcohol. And uh, he, he has a publicly traded company. He's he has a responsibility. He can't say, "Hey, Kirk, come on back. We'll take a chance with you." You know, I know you went to rehab, so you must be fine. Uh, so I just had to slowly prove to him. And every every year, I contact him again, and little by little, you know, he started responding. I hope you're doing well, you know, we'll talk soon. And then, you know, and then last year I finally, he said, listen, Hunter's going to call you. And he called me and he said, uh, Triple H called me and said, we don't know what we're going to do with you, but uh, we're going to think of something. We do want to bring you back, uh, but I'll get a hold of you. And he didn't call me for another year until <laughs> this year. So I gave up. I was like, oh, whatever. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, hey, Kurt, it's Hunter. <laughs> we want to bring you back for the Hall of Fame. So it was nice. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if this was ever said by Vince, but the, the, the words that I heard is that, you know, we don't want an Olympic hero dying on our watch that could be very you know and you like you get you like you mentioned that you had some pretty bad addictions to where like you said what a what a horrible thing personally Mm. and also publicly and everything can you imagine if something would have happened to you you know it's crazy because a lot of fans are like i don't understand kerr why wouldn't he bring you back you're Mm. you're such a great wrestler you're olympic gold medalist you you were so successful successful and it's like you don't if you don't see why mm-hmm. you know you you can't be that intelligent because uh you know i had issues and 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 if i were vince and you know i wouldn't hire me because you know, I wouldn't want an Olympic gold medalist dying under my watch, mm-hmm. or getting trouble over and over and over sure, again, or anything. So, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I completely understood, and I knew what I had to do. I had to behave, and I had to show that my life changed. Mm-hmm. And little by little, I think they were following me, uh, looking at my social media, seeing that I was more of a family man, and I started getting away from that stuff. Started Angle Strong Initiative for people to stay in recovery, and uh, then they finally started seeing, okay. This guy's got his stuff together. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Angle Strong. What is that? Uh, it's, a, it's an initiative to keep uh, people in recovery after they go to rehab. Uh, you know, we I'll just talk real quick. But sure. 21 million Americans have a drug disorder. Only 10% go to rehab, 2 million. Uh, of that 10%, 5% stay in recovery. Mm-hmm. That's 100,000 people out of 21 million. Um, after you got out of rehab, there's no aftercare. You just... You can go to AA meetings or NA meetings, but there's not there's nothing. When you're in rehab, you're, there's structure. It's really easy to stay clean in there. You're 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 eating properly. You're exercising. You're going to class every day. You're getting the proper rest, and there's there's no triggers. And then you get out, and it's like holy smoke. Uh, it's, this isn't like rehab. This is the real world. And uh, everything just starts to crumble. And uh, no one's ever had like an aftercare program. So I started one. And there's an app that goes along with it called the Angle Strong app. And it, it just keeps people in recovery by you have lifelines if you um, – if you know you have to check in the app every day and when you answer the questions and check in if you don't check in your lifelines are notified that's your family your loved ones your sponsor we want the families to be involved so they can hold you accountable mm-hmm. too uh so there's a there's structure to this program and uh it's also gps enabled so if if you do relapse we'll find you mm. it's more about saving lives wow. and keeping people in recovery that's great man yeah it's that's a great really, concept really cool. yeah you know yeah because like you said i think it's 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 always Always cool to see the guys that can kind of get over the addictions mm-hmm. and stay clean. There's a few Regal comes to mind, yeah. but there's so very many, few. <laughs> very few, and a lot of our guys have gone be, be yeah. as a result, which is a shame. But it it's is. a different world now, which is good here in this company as far as getting tested and all yeah. that sort of stuff. I, and I commend uh, real quick. Yeah, when I was when I left there. <laughs> You know, yeah. they just started drug testing, and and you know, I wrestled WrestleMania twenty nineteen with with my neck broken. I got my doctor to clear me, wow. but it wasn't a WWE doctor. You wow. know, so it was, was like, hey, yeah, hey, doc, clear me for this. <laughs> well, I can't 
clear me. Okay, you're clear. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you can't do that now. It's amazing what the WWE has done with the drug program, the wellness policy, um, making sure that a WWE doctor clears you to wrestle. Uh, they've done an excellent job with that over the last, what, eight, eight years? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so much different now, and you're seeing the difference in talent and how, you know, maybe one out of a thousand gets hit for drugs or, yeah. you know, back then it would have been, you know, 90% yeah. of them. So. 999 yeah. of Yeah, so yeah. things are different now. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, there's a, one of my favorite stories is we used to, we traveled together a bunch of times. I think we were in Memphis maybe or Nashville, and you called my room, and you're like, hey, Chris, I got to go to the hospital. I cut my arm. No, I, I fell out of bed and cut my arm. I'm like, okay. And I go into your room and you got this giant gash in your arm like a shark bit you or something. I'm like, what did you fall onto out of bed? What did you do? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. My legs were asleep. I went to get up and my legs just folded on me and I landed and I hit the uh, like corner dresser. Oh, there's like a sharp uh, thing that what's yeah, it a sharp the handle, knob? sharp doorknob. Yeah, my my arm went right into it. I had to crawl over to the phone. <laughs> so there's blood on the floor. <clears throat> so when you guys looked in, you were like, "Oh my god, it was me and Someone Edge. got killed yeah, here." What do you do? Did he stab himself with a sword? I remember we had to take. You- I just started. Oh yeah. my god, I know. We had to take you to the hospital. Yeah. And then you showed up at the house show with the big stitches <laughs> and a kind of a soft cast on. You're like I could still work. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things I've ever gone through. <laughs> oh god it was fun yeah you, you did a lot of great stuff with with edge and christian it reminds me of the, oh, the yeah. team Eck thing yeah, you know I'm doing the show chemistry. tomorrow oh yeah can't wait oh yeah. that's great that's yeah. great yeah yeah what are some of the fun uh fun things you can think of from that oh man it's just uh when we were all the things we did you know i remember one time we've you know we walked into an arena and you know christian's like what's that smell you know it stinks down here or it stinks here. And I said, Oh, that's just Texas. You know, it <laughs> yeah. was like, we always had this smart comment about <laughs> the cities we were in. I remember, uh, which one were we, uh, uh Madison square garden. It was triple H's big comeback. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand the big deal. Triple H, he, he blew his, what do you do? He, uh, he blew his quad. Yeah. He yeah. Tore I say he tore his quad. I tore mine this morning. Look at me. I'm jumping up and down, <laughs> you know, and just to hear like, you know, fans still talk about it now. That just, yeah little comments like sure that. and then stuff, all the stuff you did with steve as well yeah yeah the little cowboy little hat. cowboy hat yeah it <laughs> almost made you into kind of like the, the the goofy sidekick and then you'd go out there and just destroy guys in the ring you know you know vince pulled me aside before i did all that stuff he said listen we can do things with you we can't do with anybody else you're you actually won a gold medal mm-hmm. so we can do some goofy funny stuff with you and it won't delegitimize you are you okay with that? I said, whatever you want to do, Vince, <laughs> if you think it will help me. And uh, we did that. So it, the little by little, when he when I could sh- prove that I could do that stuff, he wanted to do it more and more because he knew that uh, when I got in the ring, people would still take me seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, after a year or two, I'd say two years, people were like – didn't really think I was that good anymore because I was such a goofball. And that's when Vince said, okay, listen, we're shaving your head. Uh-huh. <laughs> People are going to start taking you seriously. <laughs> so he knew when to fold, and mm-hmm. he did it at the right time. What about the chemistry that you had with Austin and the program you do with him? That's the one that stands out to me. <sighs> you know what? I like when I, when I think of people that could improvise, uh, you, um, Austin, uh, uh, you know, rock to a certain extent. Rock, rock. A lot of his stuff, he he liked written for him, but he could also improvise. But you guys are really good at just just going off the cuff and doing what you want. I'm not, and and all those vignettes <laughs> were were not written. It was just an idea Vince came up with. This is the idea. If any of you assholes laugh before this is over, you're getting fired. Okay, <laughs> so nobody could laugh until the until Vince yelled cut. Uh-huh. And he said, so it was. He showed me how to improvise. I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I always had everything. Brian always wrote everything for me. And you would you would read it <laughs> word, for word. Never, word for word. You would memorize the damn thing. That would never. Yeah, I remember thinking he was the and but yes, everything. Yes. Brian must have, have loved it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was horrible. You know, a lot of time, very time consuming. I remember when I had it when they wrote my promo for me once, and they didn't give it to me till ten minutes before, and it was three pages long. 
It was like, oh, God. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I decided you can't read everything where for where. You're going to start have to mm-hmm. shuffle through and just take the ideas and yeah, concepts. Yeah, the bullet points, right? Yeah, bullet points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it took me a couple of years, but I started getting getting it. How did the whole thing with the milk truck come out? That's that's a great. You know what? I, I'd love to take credit for that, but <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Uh, Brian, again, you know, he came up with a great concept. I was having a program with Austin. Austin did the beer truck. You know, now I was the baby face. He was the heel, and you know, the milk truck just came into effect. And uh, it, it it will be the uh, most memorable thing I've ever done. At least I. The fans feel that way. Um, even all the great matches I've had, you've had, you know, uh, we've had some, you know, incredible five-star matches in our careers. But uh, for some reason, they remember that more. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's the, it's, it's the moments. Mm-hmm. It's not just the wrestling. It's the moments. Yeah, the bring. experience yeah. is right. I'm known yeah. for a light-up jacket and a list. <laughs> I love the <laughs> list. The list is great. Yo, I saw your like, I saw on Instagram. You asked if you could go on the list. Yes, you can. <laughs> Angle, you just made the list. <laughs> I think it's awesome, man. So tell me, let's talk a little more about the milk truck. When you show up that day, did they get a milk truck from the dairy, or what the hell was it? Uh, you know what? They got this old-ass 1955 <laughs> milk truck. It was actually brilliant. And the thing is i asked vince i said am i really gonna spray milk uh you know with with this hose where are you getting the damn milk and he goes no it's water with white food coloring (laughs) so um the thing is i when i did it um I didn't really uh, realize that, you know, when I got up on that hood that when everything was wet, I was slipping all over the place. I almost didn't get up there. And uh, and I finally did it, and I sprayed them, and I, I did the whole thing, and I did the Austin, you know, with the milk cartons. I hit them together and drank it. And I literally, right when I got done, I had to catch a flight. Uh-huh. So I went straight to the airport, and I'm on the flight, and after about three hours, I'm sleeping. All of a sudden, everybody's going, what the hell is that smell? <laughs> it's my shoes. I still had them on from the, the milk truck incident. <laughs> so everybody in first class is pissed off at me. It was so Sour funny. milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We mentioned him a few times, and you had great chemistry with him. And I know, the, the obviously, the circumstances surrounding his death. But the match, I remember some matches you had with Benoit that were just oh. unbelievable. He might have been one of your best yeah. chemistry opponents yeah, ever. He was. He was. You know? I, I never had anyone uh, that matched my intensity the way he did. Mm-hmm. He was he was always there blow for blow. And it was just like a mirror. You know, I was wrestling. Mm-hmm. Actually, I actually picked up my intensity to stay with Chris. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it does kind of suck that a lot of those matches are, are kind of yeah. forgotten. Uh, especially Royal Rumble 2003. Gosh, I, I, you know, when fans ask me what match would I learn the most from, for my for myself, uh, it was Benoit 2003 Royal Rumble. Hmm. Uh, it just had everything. It had the submission trade offs, and this was this was. Bef- I mean, I I would see Dean Malenko and you do it, you know, trading off here and there, uh, you know, in WCW. But this was really the first time that the whole match was based on it. You know, you see it a lot now, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd say that 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 opened up the avenues for people to say. Maybe real wrestling would mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. help matches. Could translate, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you don't have to do all the punching and kicking in the high spots. And and Chris and I, there was one punch thrown for thirty four minutes. That's incredible, mm-hmm. you know. So it doesn't happen very often now, and didn't happen that often back then. I remember wrestling Austin and Rock back then in two thousand one, two thousand two. I wrestled them at least a hundred times each. We only tied up once. I tied up once with Austin, never with The Rock. It always started with a punch, you know, and it was boom, 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 yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. high spot. And uh, with Chris, he could do it all. Yeah. It was incredible. It, it, it is a drag. It's the same for me. So much of my early WWE career was tied in with Benoit, yeah. and those matches don't exist. I know. You know, like when it's you. like if you want to see Chris Jericho's legacy, the best of, and Kurt Angle's legacy, look at the matches with Benoit because mm-hmm. he. 
I'm sorry, but he's got to be in the top three of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I you can't deny that. Yeah, you know, even Bret Hart will tell you that. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's hard to watch those matches, but I yeah. think I, I still like to see them because, like yeah. you said, the match itself is a quality that you won't find again because he was yeah. he was so much like that. And Ugh. even if you're putting together a DVD or something, you can't use any of those matches. Know, it's a drag. It's you know, unfortunate. It's yeah. Hopefully, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, yeah. you'll be able to. I'd really like to, you know, and and I'm not going to excuse anything that Chris did outside of wrestling, but yeah. the fact is, when he was in that ring, he was possibly the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would throw that. I throw that out there as well. Yeah. At least for who I've wrestled against for Me that too. style, right? Yeah, you know, I didn't know shit when I was wrestling. <laughs> you could you imagine all the stuff he had to do for me? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Do you remember? Uh, this just popped in my head before um, we had a house show before a pay per view one. I think it's the one with the undisputed championship tournament, and uh, it was you and me versus Rock and Austin, and I had maybe Rock in the walls, and you had Austin in like, <laughs> and one was gonna tap, and the other one grabbed his yeah, hand and said, "Don't tap." The other was gonna tap. I said, "Don't tap." <laughs> I just remember that's like the most goofiest thing that ever. Was cheesy as hell, man. <laughs> oh my god. Now was that that was right around the time when you won the undisputed. It was the title, night before. Right? Yeah, it was the yes, night before. I yeah, because I remember we had a tag match, and it's like, let's not get hurt. We got yeah. a big day tomorrow, and just remember, the, I'm gonna tap Rock. No, don't do it. I'll hold your hand. I'm gonna tap Steve. No, I'll hold your hand. Yeah, that was the cheesiest thing I ever did. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. Now let's talk about your time in TNA. I don't want to throw that away because you were the face of that company and really put them on the map for so many years along with a, f- a few other guys. Yeah. But it was so important for you when you showed up there, for them, for you <sighs> to show up. It, it wasn't a hard decision for me with everything that was going on with me right. you know, personally. It, the fact is Sting was there. Mm-hmm. Christian was there. You know, and I had these two young kids named AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, yeah. and and you can't, you couldn't help but every once in a while watch their show and go, gosh, it'd be nice to wrestle those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I would never wrestle Sting, whether he came back here or you know the WWE or I I came back eventually. It, it wasn't going to happen, so it, it it wasn't that hard for me to go there. Uh, it was hard for me to leave WWE. It really was because that was I had so much fun there. But going to TNA and uh, being able to experience those guys and, and being able to work with them. I'm sorry, but I had a better wrestling career in TNA than I did with WWE. And it had a lot to do with I just found my niche around 2006. I just, like, right. you know, yep. it was only a business seven years. Good point. And uh, it was like... I'm I'm off to the races now, and then I was being fed and AJ and Joe and you know Stinger and Christian, you know who was incredible. Uh, then then Bobby Roode, you know there's some great younger talents too. So um, I I had a lot of fun there, and it was you know the the schedule was reduced and uh, I got paid really well, so it it wasn't so bad. We were making some noise mm-hmm. around 2009 yeah. 10, uh, but but never you know I always say this TNA was a good number two company it was never going to be number one no matter how much um the the people in charge there thought it would be it wasn't going to be and don't even try to attempt it WWE's the monster mm-hmm. be happy with number two and just keep being happy with what you're getting you, right? two million viewers a week is phenomenal mm-hmm. let's just but they they wanted more and it was like uh you're gonna lose money you're gonna lose everything you know and they did would would they come to you and ask? Like, did you ever kind of get up the rankings in the executive capacity um, there? I tried to stay out of it, yeah. and, and it had a lot to do with the personal issues with you know my ex and mm, and things that happened right. with Jeff. But um, right. I, I you know I, I tried to stay out of it, but I always tried to tell Dixie, listen. 
be happy with with what mm-hmm. you got. This is this is as good as it gets, and this isn't. This is great. Like you don't you don't want to mess this up, and and they did. I mean, they 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 got greedy and they wanted to get more. They wanted they wanted to, they wanted to compete with Raw. It's like, oh my God, we're not we are not going live on Monday nights. And they did do that. For yes, a while, they, right? AJ and I wrestled the main event. We did the whole Bret Hart. I had to spit on Hogan's face, and you know the whole thing with Vince McMahon. We're doing a spoof of it. It's like I can't believe I'm doing this right now. So it was. Um, we took a chance, and it backfired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the biggest TNA was when you were there? That was uh, that was right about when we went Monday night mm-hmm. when we tried to compete. We started going to big arenas. The, the problem was we were in ten thousand seat arenas. We were only pulling a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't working, and we were committed for the next ten months to do that. That's a lot of money that company lost. Dixie Carter was great to work with. I loved her. I just felt like she was always being pulled in different directions. Mm-hmm. And this guy had an idea. That guy had an idea. Okay, I'll do this. Okay, I'll do that. She always tried to please everybody, and it was got to be so much that uh, financially they couldn't they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They kept bringing more talent and more guys yeah, and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, paying the big money and mm-hmm. you know they. Uh, I thought I thought they were good with Sting and me and Christian. Christian left eventually, you know, not not long after. But uh, you know, taking care of AJ, uh, taking care of Joe, that was the right thing to do because those guys were becoming stars and they were never in WWE. Um, I'll give you an example. AJ came out to Royal Rumble last year. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought nobody was going to know who he was. <laughs> oh, guess what? <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, my God, AJ Styles yeah, is here. That's right. And even Roman Reigns is like, who the hell is this guy? And I'm going, don't do that. <laughs> Everybody knows yeah. AJ. You know, this kid's a star. And the reason is it wasn't because of TNA. It was because he was so damn good. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't help but talk about him on the Internet, even if you didn't see him on TV. Did people st- fall to you to TNA? Were there some people that thought you had finished wrestling, or you, from that aspect of it, was uh, it tough coming from WWE to TNA? It, it was tough. I mean, I I, I never wanted to leave, uh, but the uh, the circumstances and me uh, being in denial, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like Vince kicked me out and said be gone. It was like you have a choice, this or that. Or you can leave, mm. and I picked that. And gotcha. you know, um, but uh, going there, uh, you know, we we I'm not going to lie to you. We, I mean, Scott Steiner came, Booker came, Kevin Nash came. We started the main event mafia. We had some good. We had a lot of yeah. fun there. I mean, it was kind of cool, and there were big big names coming after me. It was you know, it was a lot of fun. Then you know, and then the nasty boys started coming. <laughs> it was like, oh god, this company's going to fall apart. These guys are going to rip everything. Everybody and yeah. ruin the whole company. Right. Uh, yeah, but they, they were cool to work with. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, I don't know if, uh, you know, bringing these big names in and spending all the money you had to when you had all this, you had 50 young talent, you know, that were only getting pennies mm-hmm. compared to that, that could have shined in that company. I think they should have been more focused on uh, making their homegrown stars mm-hmm. and they weren't. I agree because it comes off as WWE light yes, when you start yes, bringing all those exactly. guys. You know what I mean? And that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Did you work with Hogan there in TNA? Yeah, I loved I loved yeah. Terry. I, I I I never had an issue with Terry. I I uh, had a lot of respect for him. He was really trying. He was trying yeah. hard. He he wanted to make this, and he's part of the reason we went to the Monday Night Wars. And and I understood why Terry wanted to do it. I just didn't think the company had the ability mm-hmm. to go toe to toe with WWE. I just I don't care who you are. If you if you're not the monster that is WWE and you're not Vince McMahon, it doesn't matter if you're Kurt Angle or Sting or Hulk Hogan. You're not going to make this company bigger than yeah. You only have so much potential to get as big as you can. The brand is what what does it. It's the WWE. It's not just one wrestler. It never has been. Never will be. It's funny. I remember when uh, Hogan came back here in 2002. He worked quite a bit with you and I. Yeah. And I remember the first time he worked with you. He came back and he said, "Hey, what's the deal with the Olympic kid? He's a little bit stiffsky. (laughs) Stiffsky." I remember you telling me that. And the thing is, this is why this is why I was stiff. I was stiff. You know I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was really stiff with Hogan that day. Um, he came in late. 
We were at Madison Square Garden. He came in at 7 p.m. The show starts at 7.30. And he starts telling us the spots he wants to do. And I was like, nope, we already have it done. You know, <laughs> I was being real difficult with him. So when we were out there, we had a spot where we had to get rid of him. We had to get him off the apron. So I went over to knock him off. And he backed away and held onto the rope. He just didn't feel like... Taking off the, 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 he didn't feel like jumping off the apron yeah, to the floor. Yeah, just to the floor so we could do the spot. So he stayed on. So the second time I went over, I hit him for real. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the third time he got in the ring, his back was turned, and I really laid into him the third time. So I I feel bad because back then I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got to know him, I was like, God, Curry, you're such an idiot. You know, the guy didn't mean any harm. He, right. Uh, you know, and... And I I didn't realize that he wasn't trying to ruin the match. He just got there late. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's a reason for it. So uh, when I got to know Terry, I felt really bad. I did apologize to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a little stiffsky. <laughs> yeah. I heard he said that to the gorilla, the bitch, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with the Olympic kid? <laughs> I did. I hit him hard, man. <laughs> Let's talk about another guy I was going to mention earlier. We were talking about Chris. The, the, the Chris's Yang it was was Eddie, who was another tremendous, yeah. tremendous worker. Yeah. You had some great matches with him. You actually remember you guys got in a shoot one time. I remember backstage oh, God, after. Yeah. Tell us about that one. Oh well, real, real. I, yeah. I just want people to realize how good Eddie was. Please, I, I think if you're talking Chris being top three, I think Eddie is is, is yes. right in there. He's yeah. three three B. Yes, you know? and 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 sometimes I I you know when Eddie was healthy he could have been number one mm-hmm. uh, like uh, w- i think eddie was in his prime in wcw mm-hmm. and the reason i say is because he got in a car accident that car accident did two things for him it it really inhibited what he could do uh, after that in other words he had limits mm-hmm. he could still do a lot but not like he used to i watched him in wcw and was like wow mm-hmm. this kid's incredible but he had you know he almost couldn't walk again after that accident so yeah, it was about eddie, 98 or so yeah yeah, yeah. eddie from was his car. banged up when i wrestled him right uh, you know and you could tell the way he bumped he he would mm-hmm. bump really really you know hard like a big man and he would get back up and it was like it seemed like he was always hurting he was you know you you see him earlier in the day and he looked like an old man yeah. you know and it was like he's still that good and he's banged up the way mm-hmm. he is I, and I, I just couldn't imagine wrestling Eddie back in 98. Mm-hmm. Now, I wrestled him in, you know, it's at uh, WrestleMania 20, and we had one of the greatest matches I've ever had. But I always said, you know, I wonder what Eddie was like when he was in WCW, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, as good as he was in, t- you know, 2004, 2005, uh, he, he had to be 10 times better back then. And that's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been the absolute greatest of all time. Because when I wrestled him, he was still in that top three that you were talking mm-hmm. about. So uh, I just – Eddie was um, – he had it all. He was so entertaining, but he had all the technique. He was such a great wrestler, and he got it. He got finishes. He knew how to structure them. You too, Chris. You're one of the best too. But um, you know, the the night when I got in a fight with Eddie, oh god, oh god, what happened? Um, he uh, all right. He what happened temper, was, by the way, Eddie snapped a on a switch. Yeah. Boom. And, and that's the problem, Eddie. You know, when Eddie got mad, you couldn't you couldn't change his mind. He was going to get pissed. He was going to cut a promo on you, and uh, and he would tell you like it is. And the problem is, uh, we had to jump Eddie out, out in the ring, and and I didn't touch him. And uh, but but we had these two big goon guys, just, uh, uh, Mark Jindrak and, and uh, Luther Reigns or something. Luther Reigns, yeah. right? So horseshoe, <laughs> horseshoe. <laughs> They're beating the hell out of Eddie, right? So uh, we get heat on him at the end of the show. I'm in the back. I'm waiting for Eddie because I wanted to thank him, but I didn't touch him. Mm-hmm. He comes straight up to me and blames me for it. And I said, "Whoa, I I didn't touch you. Yes, you did, Angle, and this and that." And so. This is like the fifth time he confronted me in the last month. So I shoved him. I just wanted to see what he would do. <laughs> and he didn't do anything. And I shoved him again. And he double legs me. Like, I, he could have, like, sucker punched me, but he double legs me. And I'm like, he did not just double leg an, an Olympic, Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I laid the hips into him. And then I started choking him out nice and slowly. The, 
the problem is Big Show, who, uh, you know, I, he gave me little guy syndrome that day because he actually grabbed me by my singlet and picked me up. <laughs> like a, you know like a puppy. <laughs> he, picked, he picked Eddie up with the other hand and he walked me over to one side of the room and walked Eddie over to the other side of the room. And I looked at Big Show. I was like, don't you ever, ever touch me again. <laughs> I mean, he literally, he made me feel like an eight-year-old kid. And I was pissed, you know. I was like, don't you ever grab me by my Stiglitz and pick me up, walk me across the room like that. It was it was really embarrassing, but that's how strong Big Show yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. But Eddie and I got in a fight. Now, I wanted to make amends with him, and you know Eddie has a temper. So, five minutes after that fight, I walk in. I want to say I'm sorry, Eddie. I said, Eddie, I'm sorry about what happened. He goes, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> oh God! So I said, You what? He goes, I'm not ready to to be sorry. <laughs> So I push him again. <laughs> I want to fight this poor kid. He doesn't want to double leg me again. <laughs> so so he's just standing there, and JBL got in between us. So I tried to call him that night, and he wasn't ready again. Uh, but but next week, he, he came to me, and he apologized. And we both we both made up. But Eddie and I were brothers. Um, we My brother Eric and I, we fought all the time. Oh, yeah. So I didn't mind. I mean, you know, I knew that Eddie was, Eric was very much like my brother Eric had a temper and he w- he was going to let it fly every once in a while and we, we would get over it and we did I, I Eddie got mad at me a million times mm-hmm. but uh, you know knowing he was exactly like my brother Eric okay we can forgive each other the next day and things would move on but the whole I'm not ready yet <laughs> it really got to me man I wanted to kick his butt <laughs> you, 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 obviously like we talked about being in legal medicine being able to ha- manhandle a lot of different guys mm-hmm. I even saw you do it to Brock in Fargo as a matter of fact which was that's a, where it was huh? yeah yeah it was quite a a, a, a spectacle to see yeah, I, I, you know, I tell people, they're always like, I heard you kill Brock. I didn't kill him. It, it was a very close wrestling match. The reason I won is because, and, and I know Brock doesn't want to hear this, but Brock is a beast. I mean, anything he touches is going to turn to gold. He's not just a beast. He's a great athlete. He's smart. Um, if he would have stayed in the NFL just another half a year, he'd have been a ten, ten-time All-Pro. Mm. Uh, he was UFC champion when he just tried that. You know? yeah, yeah. He comes to WWE's WWE champion when he tries this. He was NCAA champion in wrestling. It's like he wins everything. Mm-hmm. Brock, as good of a wrestler he was, he wasn't that good of a wrestler. He was, he was a big athletic kid that knew one move, a double leg. Um, and and that's not a discredit to him. It's just the fact that he wasn't uh, he wasn't real technical as a wrestler. So I knew a lot of technique, and I always knew how to wrestle big guys, especially guys like Brock. So it wasn't an issue to me. Brock never really came close to taking me down that day uh, because I knew I knew what I had to do. I knew how to create angles on him, and I had to keep my hips low, and I had to I had to make sure my hands were in front of me so where he couldn't wrap his strong-ass arms around my legs. I just knew how to keep him from scoring, mm-hmm. and I knew that I would eventually score on him, and that's what happened. And uh, Brock was – if Brock would have learned – if he would have went beyond NCAAs and learned at the Olympic level – there's no way in hell it would be Brock. Mm. He is that good of an athlete, but he just didn't know wrestling mm-hmm. like I did. Mm-hmm. He didn't know the sport of wrestling. He didn't know the technique and, and the little tricks and trinkets that, that go along with it. So I was never I was never afraid of Brock or, or getting in the ring with him. I weighed 225. He weighed 315. <laughs> you know, he was 90 pounds heavier than me. It wasn't a problem to me. And And everybody asked me, I heard you killed him. No. I took him down once. Mm-hmm. He didn't take me down at all. And it went 15 minutes. That's pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. How did it, that even come to be in the first place? Well, what happened was someone asked how Brock would, how I would do against him. He said, oh, he's, he's too small. I'd kill him. 
<laughs> so I walked up to him. I said, did you say I'm too small for you that you would kill me? He goes, well, Kurt, come on. You're like, what, 215? I said, I'm 225. <laughs> so he goes, well, I'm 315. I said, well, I don't have a problem. Let's get in the ring. He said, no, I don't have my, I don't have my, I only have sandals on. I said, let's go on our bare feet. He said, nah, nah, I don't want to do it. So one day he's in Fargo, North Carolina, or North Dakota. North Dakota. He's wrestling Big Show. And he's picking this 530-pound man up. This is when Big Show was really big. He double-legged him, picked him up in the air, and slammed him on his back. And I'm going, holy shit, I I might not be able to handle this kid. (laughs) I never saw anybody do that. So Big Show was facing me. Brock's back was to me. Big Show was on the other side of the ring. I I looked at Show. I said, get out. And he went, okay. So he started getting out. And Brock was like, where are you going? And I walked up, and I tapped him on his shoulder. I said, let's go. He turned around. I said, let's go. And all the wrestlers around the ring, like like a lumberjack style, like, you're not getting out, bro. So we, we finally had the, we had the showdown. Yeah. And it was close. I mean, it really was. He had 90 pounds on me, but I, you know, I, I probably took him down into the ropes a good seven or eight times when he used the ropes to, hey, we're out of bounds, you know. And, and that's okay. But I did take him down once. He didn't take me down at all. And it was really close. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, Brock wasn't the wrestler I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, why, why did you never uh, – I know there was rumors for a long time of you going into doing some MMA or doing a fight. Never really happened. Injuries or just you couldn't work it out? I, I will tell you this, Chris. And I'll give you an example. Uh, the the day that I did that thing with the Tough Enough guys, with Dan Pewter and everybody, mm. I couldn't do five push-ups. Uh, I, I, I broke my neck a couple of different times, as you know. Um, and I was just getting over that. And my strength in my upper body has suffered severely from those broken necks. Now, I broke my neck before the Olympics in 1996. That didn't do so much damage to my neck as when I started breaking it i broke it four times in two and a half years in wwe good lord yeah it just kept happening over and over again are you breaking uh vertebrae and discs or slipping and sliding and blocking nerves and going in my spinal cord i had to get those clipped out and uh so i when when i when i was serious about fighting which was right around 98 right before i got to uh wwe he offered me a deal, UFC at the time. It was 10 fights for 150 grand. I was like, are you nuts? <laughs> and they're like, well, this is the most we're paying everyone. I was like, well, then I'm not doing it. So I started in WWE, and then all of a sudden, UFC explodes. Mm-hmm. And now guys are getting millions. Right. Well, once I broke my neck in 2003, and I did talk to Dana White in 2006 and 2010. I flew out and met with them both times. The issue was... Uh, first of all, we couldn't we couldn't get a starting date. He wanted me ready in four and a half weeks for one fight, uh, which was not going to happen. Uh, I I thought I needed three to six months, but I was also I was in denial. Uh, I I don't have the strength I had before I broke my neck mm. in two thousand three, um, and breaking them breaking them several times in that two and a half year span, it didn't help. I mean, I can bench 185 pounds. For a man that weighs 220, yeah. 225, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have I do have strength in my upper body, and it's more of a, a wrestler's type of strength. I can't lift heavy weights. My legs are strong as hell on my hips. But um, the, the, the severe neck injuries I've had, I couldn't get in the octagon. Mm-hmm. I would get embarrassed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be knockouts and stuff. It would be... They would get a hold of my arm and they would rip it off because mm-hmm. I don't have the strength to protect myself. So I, I never really seriously decided to do it. Uh, the only time I did was when Dana White wanted me to be, be part of Real Fighter with Kimbo. Mm. He didn't want me to fight Kimbo. He wanted me, on, me, me to be on the show with Kimbo. And he was going to pay me a shitload of money to do it. And I was okay with that, but he also wanted me to be ready in a month. It was like, Dana... I, can I train a little bit? And he's like, well, the show starts in a month. It's yours mm-hmm, or not. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no, I can't do it. Uh, I would have done that, but, but as far as going in there and competing you know, with these top fighters, with the way my, you know, my neck and the strength in my arms, 
it, it would have been dumb. Yeah. Me. Uh, so uh, I can do the, the the sports entertainment stuff all night long, <laughs> even now. But to be in the octagon with all those top fighters, no. Hmm. Uh, could I have done well before I hurt my neck? Yes. Absolutely. I'd have been the UFC champ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how does it feel to be back in WWE after all oh, these years, man? man? I, I, uh, I, I always thought it would come, and then, you know, when Vince and Hunter gave me the old, you know, we'll get a hold of you and we're ready, mm-hmm. and they never did. I just didn't think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just figured they gave up on me, and and that was okay. I, I had a great career. I got to wrestle guys like you and Edge, and spend time with you guys, and wrestle the Austins and the Rocks. It, it was a lot of fun, but. Uh, I always wanted to come back and pay my respects to the wrestlers and the fans. Mm. And uh, I, even if it's the Hall of Fame, I'm good with that. Mm. You know, it was, I, I'm just grateful that I can hear the crowd chant, you suck one more time, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's it, a term of I endearment now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People chant stupid I, idiot at me now, too. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, we have... Uh, we have conditioned our fans to say whatever the hell they want, even if it's, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's right. So is this, so do you have a, uh, are you back now or is it just for one night? Are you going to be doing some more stuff? Well, Can you wrestle? Uh, you know what? Right now they haven't talked to me about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hint to Hunter. I said, I am going to wrestle, right? <laughs> he was like, well, we're just going to do the Hall of Fame. After that, we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, uh, uh, and I understand. I think they want to see how I do. Uh, they want to study me. They want to make sure that I am who I say I am, that I've been clean of four years, and uh, that I'm on my road to recovery and that my that I'm as healthy as I state I am. Um, I do have to take the physical, and I'm sure that's going to come down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they haven't talked to me about it. Um, they haven't really told me what I'm going to do. I know that what they would like to do with me is more of an ambassador type of role. Mm-hmm. Um, show up at places, say, hey, I'm Kurt Angle. I work with the WWE or, or, or go on the network and mm-hmm. do some things. So um, I think that's more what they're going to do right now and see how I do. And then eventually maybe the wrestling will come. I think, uh, yeah, I think in a world where Goldberg, you know, is the, t- is the champion at 50, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think you at your age and your skill level could probably come in and do whatever you wanted to do as long as you can pass that physical. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You got to pass physical. Yeah, if you pass that yeah, physical, yeah. I think you're going to be uh, here for a long time. So uh, last question, Kurt, it's WrestleMania time. What's your favorite WrestleMania match that you had? Oh, Is it the one that stands up for you? You know, I, I always wanted to wrestle him after I saw the match you and Shawn Michaels had mm. at WrestleMania. I, like, I literally, I was pissed off because, you know, I didn't watch your match against Sean at WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. 19, yeah. And was I was Brock. like, man, me and Brock stole the show. And then the next day I'm watching, I'm like, son of a bitch. Those guys, <laughs> those guys had a better match than us. Damn it. You know? I don't mind saying it. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's the one time I, I beat like, you. son of a bitch. I said, well, it was Jericho and Sean. And I was like, I already wrestled Jericho. I got to wrestle Sean. And I did at WrestleMania 21. Mm. I can't lie. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You probably did you wrestle Sean before that? That was like the first you, match I ever had with him. Me too. Wow! And it's like, yeah, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Like you usually you wrestle guys, you know, several times and you to get, get the you chemistry up. And the thing is, Sean didn't want to do anything that week. He wanted to just get sit down and get to know me. We did go over one spot where I had to lift, lift him up over my head. He had an arm bar on me, and I lift him short up arm scissors. Sunset, yeah, yeah, sunset flip. Other than that, we didn't do anything, and it was like. Does does he is he really think he's that good? Well, you didn't yeah, talk about good. anything or didn't practice we anything. About, we talked about uh, the comeback and finish, gotcha. which we always do. Yeah, but other than that, the thing is, I never locked up with him. Like you don't get a feel. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to get a feel for him? Maybe do a couple spots. He didn't want to do anything. Wow. So it was like you know, I got to know his family really well. And he got to know <laughs> mine, but uh, you know, Pat was there, and he just let us. You know, we just BSed. And uh, and we did come up with some good false finishes, like everybody does at WrestleMania. But uh, we just didn't really... Uh, I just didn't think I'd have that type of chemistry with someone that quickly. And then, I, you know, I'm, you know, I know you did. And it's like, everybody is Sean really that good? Yeah. And he is. And I'll, t- I'll give, tell you a quick story. I didn't know Sean. 
He came, he came back. He was struggling for a while, and he came back. He was wrestling with Survivor Series. He came, it was a big match. And it ended up with him against five guys, and he was knocking them down one by one. I'm like, wow, this guy is pretty good, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know who he was because I didn't watch wrestling before I started. Right. So he comes backstage, and I said, hey, man. You're pretty good. <laughs> he got a little offended. Like, you don't know who I am. I'm like, no, I don't know who you are. I don't care. But you're pretty good, man. So, uh, uh, you know, he kind of teased me after that. Every time he'd see me, he'd say, Angle, you're pretty good. <laughs> but he is. I mean, yeah. he might. When you talk about yeah. that top three, yes. He, he's number one for me. Yeah, me you too. Know, I, me I know too. what the rules are as far as Flair and this guy. And that's yeah. but, but for me, working with him, watching, yeah. it's, it's Shawn Michaels. Well, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I wish I would have wrestled Ric Flair in his prime, yeah, Bret sure. Hart in his prime, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I have to say Shawn Michaels, yes. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that was his second prime. Because his first prime was in the 90s, and then he comes yeah. back, and then he's the best worker again when he was here in the 2000s, know. you know? It so. blows my mind. I just saw him today at the gym, and gosh, he looks the same as he did before. Yeah. He's going to make his third run. You know? Yeah, he's getting ready for it. Yeah, maybe Angle versus Michaels, part yeah, two. Gosh, yeah, gosh, man. man. Old man in the ring, <laughs> super kicking each other. <laughs> Dude, it's great to see you again, man. Thanks, and welcome guys. back to the WWEs. It's great I'm to have you. You deserve back, it. And thanks for having me on. Congrats and thanks again to Kurt Angle on his induction into the WWE Hall of Fame and his new gig as general manager of Raw. It's going to be fun to see how he shakes things up at the WWE and will he wrestle again? I guess we'll find out. But before we wrap things up, we got some news from Team Tiger Awesome. This is the news with Team Tiger Awesome. In sporting news, with Monday's Men's Basketball National Championship game, March Madness is in the rearview mirror. Now the collegiate sporting ranks can focus on April sadness, May gladness, and June despair. Nike introduced the Nike Pro Hijab for Muslim women last week. Available in spring 2018, it features tiny holes to make it breathable, but still remain opaque, and proving once and for all that literally everyone in the world is more athletic than I am. And now a look at the index index. Glycemic index is on the rise while the body mass index reaches a two-month low. The index of significant space battles is surging, while index cards have been downgraded to only useful if you're a nerd. For more news, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday from Podcast One and the Jericho Network. <laughs> the news, like only Mundy, Gage, and Truly can give you. Team Tiger Awesome, they can spin it. Go hit subscribe on iTunes for the Team Tiger Awesome Show. It's growing. It's uh, becoming one of the hottest shows on the Jericho Network. Please go subscribe. Leave them a five-star rating review and check out their show. I love the How to Have Sex with Wrestlers episode. That's a good one to start at. Or the uh, Team Tiger Awesome uh, writes erotica, erotic fiction. That was funny. And also subscribe another Jericho Network show, the newest addition to the lineup, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. He's talking to the biggest stars in the rock and roll world. If you haven't listened, go check out his interview with Ricky Rocket from Poison. It's uh, really well done. They talk about CC DeVille, the upcoming tour with Def Leppard and Tesla, talking about surviving cancer. Ricky's a fun guy. So is Mitch. The newest Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon right here on the uh, Jericho Network. And of course, please leave your fave podcast. That's me. Talk is Jericho rating and review as well. My goal is to get 2,000 reviews. Uh, sponsors uh, look at those so I need to get that at 2000 which puts me at a different level thanks to all the members of the Talk is Jericho Army for leaving a 5 star rating and comment including Marcus Hagnus Witty Matt Loki Mondo Bugman702, Tommy Lisak, Trombone72, Catslayer123, Billy Bob961, Lore Lover, The Fantasy20, Fantasy2002, and Josh the Sarge. Just a few of the great friends of Jericho who have been. Um leaving reviews over on iTunes. Go do it now. And one last thing, a big thank you as well to the tremendous Talk is Jericho sponsors and all of you for supporting them. DDP Yoga. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 30% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDP Yoga related merch. Nature Box. Go to naturebox.com slash Jericho. Get 50% off your first order. These uh, tasty, healthy snacks that are great. They come right to your door. Loot Crate. Sign up at lootcrate.com slash talk. Lootcrate.com slash talk to order the Masters of the Mic hopefully I'm involved at the WWE Slam Crate Masters of the Mic use the promo code TALK that's apropos to save three bucks off your crate 
And thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And uh, next Wednesday, who's going to be here? Let me look at the file and see who's going to be here. Next Wednesday, it's been a long time coming, but it's here and last. Zach Myers of Shinedown, right before they go embark on a uh, European tour with Iron Maiden, sits down to talk to me. And we had some of the best times that uh, uh, I think either one of us ever had on the road about four or five years ago when we toured together on the Uproar Tour. Lots of great tales, drinking tales, fun tales. Tales of uh, stealing golf carts and going searching for uh, dude bros. Uh, great times with Zach Myers of Shinedown. He will be here on Wednesday, so don't you dare miss it. In the meantime, and in between time, uh, that's it. Uh, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hubs. And a big hubs, hugs, peace, love, and hugs. And a big yeah, boy, have a safe weekend and, uh, and be cool. It's true. It's damn true. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.